America. Spread your Yo quiero Taco Bell. Welcome, dreamers of all ages, to another episode of Unbuilt, an unrealized theme park podcast. With me today, as always, is my co-host, Ryan Dorman. Welcome back from the land of the rising sun. You had a pretty great time over there? I It was an incredibly tiring time over yeah. there, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess the last episode we mentioned my, my trip, and I'm finally back. It's like teleporting mm-hmm. into the future. Although the last episode went up when it I got back. up late, so. because yeah. <laughs> it went up actually when you got back because of um, certain events that happened. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was supposed to come out a lot earlier. <laughs> but uh, because of that, you're getting this episode even quicker after the last one. That's right. uh, the uh, trip that you just took, we're going to talk about that on a bonus episode. And just as a reminder uh, to everyone, um, you went to Japan and you went mm-hmm. to Kyoto and Tokyo and you visited the Japanese Disney parks. That's uh, right. And uh, just give a little taste. Uh, how was it? Oh, it was excellent. I mean, everything mm-hmm. in Japan is so much more, specifically with Disney, everything is so much more well-kept and 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 the rides are so so many of them are similar to like older versions of Disney rides so there's mm-hmm. fewer things to complain about and so many of them are completely refreshing and new and should be in the United States so when Ooh, we talk about it when we talk about the to trans- the Japan trip in the bonus episode you probably want to be there you oh, probably want to hear about that you got to it's going to be available on our Ko-Fi, mm-hmm. probably available right now for just $1. We'll have the details at the end of the show, so don't miss out. Anyways, you're back here in America, and we have a good old patriotic uh, 4th of July episode as we're going to be talking about a ride version of the American Adventure. And so we're going back to Epcot, another favorite place of yours. Speaking of Epcot. Beautiful. Uh, last last episode, we had a, an argument about the Sea Cabs versus the Nemo ride and uh, which one was better. And I, I personally said that the uh, Nemo ride was better. And you took the argument side of the sea cabs. Now, uh, we, we, we've, we've done this in the past over DuckTales, and I've come out the victor. But this time, I must admit that you have come out indeed the victor as we put this online. There and we go. we'll put it to a vote. And 54% of the audience said that they preferred the sea cabs. So congratulations! It's more interesting. I I wouldn't force my my worst enemy to sit through Nemo. Wow, I don't know if it's that bad, but damn. Mm. Okay, 
No, I was going on a, a little taste of the Japan episode. We'll talk about Sea Rider. We'll talk about Tokyo Disney Sea. We'll talk about all of that. Mm-hmm. But going on Sea Rider and like not hating the Nemo ride <laughs> made me very bitter for what's Aww. in the States. <laughs> well, it's an entirely different ride over there. But yeah, well, yeah, but it didn't feel like somebody half-assed Nemo into something. I mean, it did kind of feel like someone half-assed Nemo into something, but a no, lot they did. less they actually half-assed. literally did. But... It's a lot it felt a lot less half-assed than mm-hmm. uh, than the seas. Right. Well, uh while you've been over there, I've been watching bad movies and I just recently saw Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Which, oh, does it suck? Oh, it, it was so dull. It was so Did dull. They, I remember <laughs> a long time ago you told me about the leaked script. Is it close to that or is Not it much even, more tame? Much, much. It's so, it plays it super safe. That sucks. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I'm not going to get into spoilers, although there is something very, very funny that they do um, that relates to pe- what people's thoughts of Crystal Skull was. And I think they did it. I think they did it because of the fact that people hated a certain something about it. I think Indiana Jones, I think Indiana Jones never should have been a franchise series. I mean, it never really was like you have. One is just Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's just classic. Temple of yeah. Doom is perhaps the closest it got to being a franchise series. Last Crusade feels pretty, I'd say, independent. It's just a good Spielberg movie. And yeah, the Kingdom it, of the Crystal Skull is a mess. I um, I think that uh, they, for, for Last Crusade, they kind of righted the ship because Temple of Doom was a little annoying and a little irritating. Yeah. And I, I get, and it's like I a Goonies movie. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I also like what they were at least going for when they were kind of all sort of semi independent. And right. the only through line seems to be that he's Dr. Henry Jones. He's an archaeologist who also moonlights as a archaeology professor at a college. And that was the only through line. And the weird right. thing thing that crystal skull and dial of destiny do they they give indiana jones a very solid continuity which is odd i don't like thinking of the world of indiana jones as being a world uh it's supposed yeah. to be more of kind of a more of a conceptual thing uh, but honestly the the only thing that really stuck out of my mind was it very much feels like they they took back the one criticism of crystal skull being that it was too goofy and it was too erratic and uh, silly. So they completely go bury the needle in the exact opposite direction. And this movie is very dull. Uh, there is a fun sequence at the start, which uh, it's not a spoiler because everybody knows about this. It's the first 20 minutes of the movie uh, is with a DH Harrison Ford when he's not speaking. It actually works really well. Uh, but when he speaks, it's obviously old Harrison Ford. Um, mm. They should have done the, the uh, Mark Hamill thing with the ai voice (laughs) uh but uh but that sequence is actually kind of good and then you go into the like the new stuff with phoebe waller bridges and it just feels very uh, you know tired and things we've seen before and a lot of the sequences are kind of dull and sleepy a lot of the action sequences don't work uh john williams is not doing his best with the score he's like 97 and, years old it's like yeah. how his score yeah. in the fablemans was good though i don't know it, it yeah. feels like <laughs> look you can't make a logan-esque movie about indiana jones you can't even it, well to be clear oh, it's not this, and, and, it's and, not it's, even, it barely attempts that there's right. there's a couple of times where it kind of grasps at the idea but it just 
it's ultimately wanting to just be another Indiana Jones adventure with this being kind of a final bow because Harrison Ford didn't like the reception of Crystal Soul. And that seems to be all it is. All this is is a response to Crystal Skull and riding the ship. And uh, it, it, it needed to be more than just that. It just did. It, the ending also was similarly pretty lame, honestly. Well, if you want to write, redo Crystal Skull and do it better, you need to get two people back into the movie. You need to get George Lucas. And you need to get Steven Spielberg. Primarily Steven Spielberg. I don't particularly think I trust James Mangold to do an interesting Indiana Jones movie. Well, I think that was Spielberg's intention, though. He gifted like uh, Indiana Jones 5 to him, to James Mangold, because... I think Spielberg also felt like he didn't do right with Crystal Skull and he didn't trust himself with it. Now, I mean, it's up to you whether or not he could have done a better job. Ready Player One. I think that he just didn't want to do it because he had no good ideas. He didn't have any good ideas 10 years ago. (laughs) Yeah. No one like you. I don't know. In a franchise world where you have to convince Paramount or Lucasfilm or Disney or whoever is funding you know, the current Indiana Jones that you're making a movie. You can't be like, this is an adventure serial independent mm-hmm. with no references. It's got to yeah. be Indiana Jones. This is, by the way, isn't the only Lucasfilm film that starts with the Disney logo. Oh, this not, does have a Disney this, logo? This actually starts. Now, they don't do the full thing, to be fair, but it does indeed start. It's very weird. It starts with the Disney logo. It goes to Paramount, and then it goes to the Lucasfilm logo, which is... Then they do a match cut shot with it, just like they used to do with the Paramount Mountain with the yeah. Lucasfilm logo, and it's very odd. I and, saw it's like a lock, yeah, like a square yeah, lock. It's like and it a, doesn't it's really, a lock. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the like the opening titles even say Disney and Lucasfilm present, and it just feels wrong. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like, whoa, why? I shouldn't be seeing the Disney name on here. This is weird. Yeah, we're uh, talking more about like Disney and the, again, hey, if you go to listen to the bonus episode about yeah. Japan, I have a lot of thoughts about Disney in the current day, mm-hmm. um, Disney's output stateside, specifically yeah. decisions made primarily by Disney. But it's getting a little depressing to realize that Disney has not put out a good film in quite a very long time, uh, even with like their subsidiaries. They, all the good movies they've made have been shoved to Disney Plus, all the bad movies mm-hmm. they've made in theaters. Yeah. No Okay, you're you're talking about theatrical. I'm talking primarily about theatrical. Although even like the problem is, is I know we're both thinking what Luca and Turning Red. Yeah, Luca Turning Red. Um, as for films, I liked. I guess Guardians Three. That's true, but that felt like James Gunn. But that movie is about like booking it from Disney. It feels like no, no. You know, you're you're absolutely right. You you are right. Uh, but you know, I. And I know that you're mostly focusing on Disney, but I do think it's somewhat seems to be a studio problem overall because we've had all these movies bombing and it's not just Disney. It's Warner Brothers and Paramount and they're all flailing and only a few things are rising to the top. I mean, what is a surprise is the elemental box office right now. It's not enough to save it, but it like actually has had good word of mouth and might actually have proven the theory that Pixar trained their audience to stay on Disney plus and Disney actually took a hold of it. And they actually had somebody come out and say, we're actually not putting this out uh, on Disney plus till the fall. So if you want to see it, go see it. Yeah. That seems to be working. So hopefully they keep, keep at that idea, but universal 
uh, and um, even uh, Focus Features, which really pisses me off. I did also see, I saw a good movie. I did see Asteroid City mm. and I loved it, but they're I gotta putting go see that, that. Yeah. yeah, they're putting it on uh, digital in like a week. I, th- I mean, some people are going to push and say that, well, actually, it just gives two pathways for money because some people just weren't going to go see it in the theater anyways. Return on investment is super low, though, mm-hmm. um, if you don't. Uh, luckily, it's not going to streaming. I think that's the bigger mistake than going to digital. Yeah. Digital is mm-hmm. like a $20 purchase anyways. Right. Um, it's really high to buy a digital film. And mm. if you're a family of four, yeah, you're probably going to cut the ticket price in half from $50 to $20. Um, you know, $50 for a family of four to go, $20 to purchase it at home. Right. But like for most people, a $20 video on demand is not horrible. It's when mm. they take a movie like any of the Disney movies or any of the animated movies or anything going on HBO Max and saying, well, you can either pay $15 a head to go see it in a theater or right. $6 a month to right. see it later. And it's like, well, what, exactly. why would I choose anything different? Exactly. And I get all these other movies for free too. Sure. I'll pay the six bucks. Mm, exactly. Six to $15. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're definitely correct there. And so I think that that is a small part of it. Uh, but I also think a large part of it is that these films are just not good. They're just not What's, driving I, it. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, that's the thing with the flash and that's the thing with Indiana Jones, which, by the time this comes out, the full box office take will be happening, but it's apparently matching the the Flash's opening weekend, and that's that's a disaster. That's half of Crystal Skull's opening weekend take from 15 years ago. I mean, like, you know, not to... Obviously, we can talk at length about this, and again, we will on the bonus episode, but I think that the trend of... Um, boardroom creatives like people Mm -hmm. who get mbas go into hollywood and think they can decide what movies need to pass through Mm -hmm. as well as and this is indicative of uh, the problem the uh, underpaying of writers and the devaluing of the creative well that's why they are on strike right now uh, yeah absolutely that's (laughs) i think the fact that writers need to go on strike to get their voices heard and Mm -hmm. the fact these movies are bad you know i i think that there's those are pretty closely connected you know, when you have like, there's this false perception that Bob Iger coming back to the company would save it because he has a creative vision, but none of the NBA people have creative visions. Mm-hmm. They're all bankrupt. And I know, think it's he, like, he's, he's there. He's a bandaid. Let's be honest. He's a bandaid. And it's not one that's working too well, but you can't reguide the ship back mm-hmm. to success if you aren't going to yeah. pay your creatives. I mean, we can talk about this and we will later about theme parks. You know, it's like, when Imagineering is doing their Imagineering job, when Disney Animation does their animation job, right? When Lucasfilm is doing their Lucasfilm job, it's fine. But if someone calls down the pipeline and says, hey, corporate wants you to, you know, make a new Indiana Jones movie, make a new Pixar sequel. What is Pete Doctor going to do in that case, in the mm-hmm. Pixar sequel case? Say no? Yeah. And yeah. then the movie's not his. So it's like, I don't know. Disney's going to keep... The thing to me is you bring up like other studios, but for me, it's more depressing with Disney mm-hmm. because all things considered... They are supposed to be where like real animated animation artists go, or at least they were in the 90s. But now, regardless of there's obvious problems with the way that Sony's handling their animation. You know, that's not ignoring that. But it's really depressing to see incredible animation coming from Sony of all places with, Mm -hmm. frankly, any of the Tartakovsky stuff or Spider-Man. Yeah. And then see Disney squander Blue Sky for the the movie that just came out. Nimona. Nimona, yeah. yeah. Which was which was also wonderful. Uh, Yeah. And uh, you should see it. I mean, even 
I, you know, I know Netflix also has their definite issues and sure. Hey, if you don't want to watch it on Netflix, there's totally different ways to see it. So. <laughs> but like, you know, for the creative sense, it's like you're watching, I don't know, you're watching an empire burn, right? It's like mm-hmm. Disney, Disney specifically. And we're going to, I'll pivot back to Disney as we conclude this, right? Yeah. Disney. I don't, I, I literally cannot think of a thing Disney has put out in the last 10 years where I've been, I've been like, okay, that was fantastic. Maybe their push in for Pandora and Animal Kingdom and Galaxy's Edge wasn't too bad either. Oh, okay. Even, so you're talking including even everything. Like everything. Everything. I'm like okay. across the board. I don't know if I've really sat with something that Disney's put out and said, you not only put this together well, but you handled the distribution properly and respectfully. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that covers the Pixar stuff. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's like when you throw all that in, because there's, there's stuff I do want to say. Uh, you know, there uh-huh. are things. Uh, and I, I know, I think there are definitely objective achievements. Uh, I think, I mean, no matter what you slice it, you could, you could talk about the uh, the how good the actual quality of the movie is, but I definitely think Infinity War and Endgame are <laughs> an objective, an objectively well done achievement. It it made a pop culture stance. It made its mark. They they did that genuinely well. Now it's whether or not you want to consider those good movies or whatever. But I think they did those genuinely well. But I think that like insofar that the person think, who created the bear trap did a cool thing by crushing the legs of bears. It's like the <laughs> Infinity War and Endgame handy. I mean, well, yeah, we can we'll talk about this later. But Infinity War and Endgame arguably like if the problem today was caused by anything, it was the well, I know big Marvel that. franchise I know. push. Well, right, well, well, that's I know that. I I yeah. get I get what you're saying because it's like things down the line, but I think for what they are in a vacuum, sealed in sure. a vacuum, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that, and I uh, like The Last Jedi. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, we should probably move on to our main topic. Uh, and once again, we'll, we'll have much more discussion about this on the bonus episode about Japan and how the uh, Oriental Land Company does it versus Disney in the States, I'm sure it's a huge talk of uh, what you're going to go for there there uh but anyways it's time to talk some epcot uh, but first this all right here we are for our main topic uh this is going to be an interesting one uh this is going to be about the american adventure uh the american adventure uh it is a I only want to say it's controversial attraction. I think it's a remarkably well done attraction, even if it kind of misses the mark in different ways. I think it's very, very well done. Do you do you catch this show every time you go to? Not every time. It's a big commitment, like time wise. Mm. Um, but I do think it's worth seeing every other time. It's, yeah, I don't. I don't personally feel 
Like if you want to have like a big political conversation about well, America, right, in right, general, right, right. No, no, I, I get that. And <laughs> I, I, I like trust it. me, trust me, it's politically kind of mired. But as for what it's te- the techn- technology is incredible. Yeah, I think it's a good. It's generally a pretty entertaining show. Right, yeah. and it's it's. I think it's fantastically well put together with the the marriage of these sets and uh, rear screen projection technology. Uh, especially now that they have a digital and that all coming together, it's it's a wonderful magic trick, and that almost makes it worth viewing. Um, I'm hoping when I get to go to Epcot later this year with my um, with my family, uh, my dad's huge in the history and stuff like that. So it's like, uh, yeah, let's go see a, a robot show about America. Let's do this, Dad, and I'm um, really looking forward to that. If it goes uh, under refurb in September, I'm gonna be very very sad. Uh, anyways, um, what you might not know is that the show was not always meant to be a show. Originally, they wanted it to be a ride. Uh, so let's begin. The American Pavilion of World Showcase was always meant to be the host pavilion. Originally situated in the middle of the park, it was going to bridge the future world and world showcase areas together at Epcot Center. So instead of going up and your like uh, entrance to world showcase is a lagoon, instead it was actually going to be the entire American pavilion, which I'm kind of glad that they reversed it. Because because that's kind of weird to be. It's like America's now your gateway to the world. I'm like... Mm, maybe it should be in the back. <laughs> uh, the hope was to feature a ride for this grand pavilion. One proposal had a flume ride, but this was soon changed to an omni-mover attraction when the assignment was handed to Mark Davis in October 1975. And so for this, we're going to be going once again to one of the best resources that this podcast has ever had. It's Pete Doctor and Christopher Merritt's wonderful Mark Davis in his own words Imagineering at the Disney theme parks. Have you have you gotten this yet? I do have this. Yes, it's, it's you do. Sitting That's right. In my yes, brief, uh, my, uh, my shelf. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Uh, so, a background in the premise for the American World Showcase. America is a home of many kinds of people of different ethnic backgrounds and as many different persuasions. Except for the original inhabitants and a few others, America has been settled by the people who came from the places they considered less desirable. They created two great documents, the Declaration of Independence and the United States Constitution. In these, they declared what they objected to in the old world and the pattern of laws that they see these that these things could not happen here. What is wrong with America is probably what is wrong with mankind. Yet, if there are answers, they will most likely be found in America. Sure. In essence, this show will attempt to illustrate American life and what makes America different from every other country. It will try to point out its great scope of its vitality and drive. We recognize amongst ourselves that we are New Yorker, Texan, Old, or Californian, but when we leave the country, we are all recognized as American. This was from the American World Showcase description by Mark Davis. Fourth draft, January 16th, 1976. 
So what was this ride going to be? Well, it was going to be some sort of Omnimover, and sound would emanate from the scenes as well as from the individual cars. And there was even a little catchy theme song that was going to go along with it that Mark wrote the lyrics for. I believe Buddy Baker was going to do the music just like uh, in the Western River Expedition. In fact, this was actually the project that Mark worked on after the Western River Expedition got the little kibosh on it. The first scene is a prologue. It will be a kind of visual montage of America's wonders using three-dimensional and projected effects. This will have a definite style and will not be photographic. As we go through this section, we will have a musical roll call of the states. It will not matter where you enter this scene. It will be timed so that each conveyance will hear the entire listing of states. We will now proceed through a series of small scenes. Each one will be separated from the other by a sound barrier. In these areas, a voice will speak from the individual cars. Then we enter a scene of entertaining, caricatured figures illustrating various facets of American life in an upbeat manner. These each will have a song coming from the scene designed so that it doesn't matter what point you enter, the lyrics will be understood. Just like every Disney ride. (laughs) The beat will be the same in each scene, and the tune, what is it written, should be very simple. And so here's the song. The song, uh, and it has little, like portions of it like that describe each scene so uh the song is called this is america so it's small towns <laughs> small towns and big towns where skyscrapers soar airlines and steamships and truckers by the score railroads and steel mills and traffic on the road highway and riverboats and cotton by the load oh no this is america it's big and it's grand this is america this is our land so you can see some of the um uh, the in the show notes, there's this concept art for what these tableaus were going to look like. They have like little busts on there, uh, and they were going to be like stylized heads designed by Blaine Gibson. And you could kind of see like there's like um, there. I don't know how you would describe it. It's like um, little window. Win, uh, like window posts mm. you would look into it and there would be little tableaus of like an indian chief a doctor and i think it's a lawyer is that Kinda a like lawyer? little dioramas yeah, yeah little di- yeah little dioramas some uh guy like standing on a Dentist. soapbox trying to get like elected and uh, like sunbathers and jazz musicians uh and then the next scene <laughs> The next scene is my favorite. The next scene, we go into a park and we celebrate American food. And you can see little Mark Davis vignettes of like people selling hot dogs and hamburgers and ice cream and enjoying a picnic. And the song uh, now this part is called Typical American Food. Popcorns, peanuts, pie a la mode, soda pop, potato chips, hot dogs by the load, hamburgers, french fries, chicken in the pan, watermelon iced tea, diet if you can. <laughs> uh, this reminds me of, um, what is that like um, little camp chat to, like where it's like, uh, like Pizza Hut, Pizza Hut? 
It, like it's like turkey a fried do, chicken. Ju- the fried one chicken. from uh, Super Size Me. Nice me. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, yeah. Part of. That's what I'm being reminded of. It's just so funny. Just like to be like celebrating all of this, um, this uh, like fat, greasy food and being just like so proudly proud about it. You can definitely tell this is like the time of the bicentennial that they're, they're riding this. <laughs> uh, so you go back into uh, downtown uh, and you celebrate American arts like writing, painting, and the theater. You'd see uh, more tableaus like these multi level sets. There's like a painter there, and you could see a writer. Um, like <laughs> it's it's pretty it's a pretty funny tableau of like just like paper strewn all over the floor. And, you know, of course, there's a theater with rehearsals. Uh, And so this one is about the arts. Uh, Artists and writers in a three-act play, Cohan and O'Neill in Lights of Old Broadway. Television, radio, and movies by the mile. Vaudeville and Burlesque had him rolling in the aisle. Burlesque had him rolling in the aisle? I think Burlesque has comedy a little bit. I I guess, yeah. (laughs) I just thought it was like more like va va you know. <laughs> uh, suddenly, the Western River Expedition comes back full force as Davis borrows concepts from this old attraction to celebrate the old American Wild West. You can actually recognize these concept arts. They're right from the, uh, from the Western River Expedition. Uh, mountains and rivers across the Great Divide. Deserts and rattlesnakes. Adventures never died. Cowboys and Indians are in the movies now. The gunfighter's finished because now he milks the cow. Okay. Uh, and then we get a series of tableaus about sports and building houses. So you round the corner and there is like football players, cheerleaders, and some guys playing basketball, World Series baseball, and a big Bronx cheer, hiss and boo the umpire and have a can of beer, bone crunching football and a marching band, follow it with basketball for fans around the land. I think this one, this some of these lyrics could definitely use a rewrite. It's very weird. It's yeah, very weird things weird. to po- pick on for like, it's like very contemporary-ish mm-hmm. American yeah. society, right? Very different than the ride as it, as it opened. Yeah. And then and the next one, which actually has a kind of a cool idea where you're in the car and you actually pass through a house under construction as they're building it overhead you. And this is uh, the part of the song about building. Saw that lumber and hit that nail. Put it all together. It's another house for sale. Skylines rise in a brand new town. First we build them up, then wreckers tear them down. Well, that's that's actually kind of funny. (laughs) Uh, We even pass a section celebrating American holidays such as Christmas, Halloween, Thanksgiving, and the 4th of July. Uh, like uh, there's there is one funny little Mark Davis drawing of some guy at Thanksgiving dinner opens up the for the turkey and it's actually a live turkey. Uh, so here's here's the holiday song. Benjamin Franklin in the 4th of July, firecrackers, Cracker Jacks and Loganberry Pie. Thanksgiving, Halloween and pumpkins on the vine, Santa Claus and candy canes and elderberry wine. 
this is America and it's big and it's grand. This is America. This is our land. And then we get to the finale and this has got to be like one of the most ponderous things ever. And I have no idea what this means. So this is what they get. So this is the finale. This will be a scene comparable to the size in the prologue. In this, we will try to say that while America is made up of many parts and peoples, it is really one country and one people. Wherever America, the American goes, he is recognized as American. American is the one country that can discord by common consent things that are wrong and correct them for the common good. Not really. Uh, what is wrong with America is probably what is wrong with mankind. Yeah, sure. Uh, yet it is in the construction of our constitution and the way of life to find the answers. We hold these truths to be self-evident. So I don't know exactly what that means. Hmm. I just uh, So in the book, it says the scene will reprise many of the characters of the previous scenes. It might include the Minutemen and the other re- recognizable historical figures. It might work in some visualization of the de- Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, which would be odd because this really hasn't been very much about history i guess it's like i don't know i guess it'd be like a big finale right like everything would come together and it's a very Mm -hmm. weird yeah very very weird right and and that's the thing like uh, they they said it they would hope the finale would make people proud to be americans and uh, when was when was the song uh i I was proud to be american when was when was that written i don't actually know well, do you know when it was written? Lee Greenwood song, uh, 1984. So uh, okay, two right years there. after Epcot uh, was open. Maybe if it was, maybe if like they updated it, they would put that song in there. I'm proud to be American. And like all these boomers would come in and their tears would be down one cheek. Well, at Unfortunately, least I know yeah. I'm free. Yeah, see, I'm surprised. Yeah, I didn't know that song was that new. Yeah. Mark was shocked to find out that the Disney brass disliked this humorous approach and instead went more and more revered tone in the form of an animatronic show. So instead of like lightly, you know, touching and poking and prodding at American culture, they're like, it's America. We need to, we need to be more reverential to it. And uh, like, apparently he spent like some time in his office just looking out a window, contemplating it. Like that it was like you just feel blindsided. They wanted me to do this and they don't want. So he like regrouped and he went for something more serious. And uh, he submitted something roughly in the spring of 1976 that would celebrate American heroes within a specific subject, like explorers, musicians, all portrayed by audio animatronic figures in a theater setting. This possibly be uh, like a carousel theater. So heroes and legends of America, such as astronauts, Paul Bunyan, Tom Sawyer, Ichabod Crane, Blackbeard, the Hatfields and the McCoys, Ben Franklin, Mark Twain, Will Rogers, Robert Benchley, they all come together in this grand show. And you can see there again in those show notes, like what some of these tableaus would have been like. Uh, and like, there's like at one point, there was like a bunch of explorers, like Lewis and Clark, an astronaut, Admiral, Rick, uh, Admiral Richard E. Byrd, who went to both the North Pole and the South Pole, you know, sort of those like culmination of all these great heroes and people who have formed American history. And, you know, he went on to do a lot of like tableaus of this. And it's interesting, like a, a lot of this is sort of 
like it was in the American Adventure because the American Adventure has that aspect of, oh, what if Mark Twain and Ben Franklin spoke to each other? And mm, a lot yeah. of this is kind of the same thing. You have Stephen Foster and Gore, George Gershwin and Louis Armstrong all in one scene. So they would all like talk to each other in one scene. So you can kind of like see how these ideas, you know, were starting to form. And even in the book, you can kind of actually see the scenics. He actually drew this these wonderful scenic uh, backgrounds, backdrops for this for this uh, setting that uh, on. Uh, of this portion of the show that centered on naturalists. So uh, you also have, of course, like Thomas Edison and uh, <laughs> I wonder if Tesla would be there. That would be amazing. Uh, yeah. Elon Musk. Yeah. Oh, uh, let's not, let's not bring him up right now. He's, he's making me mad. He kicked me off Twitter for a few hours. So, uh, so I don't want to talk about him. Uh, and of course there's Will Rogers again with his, with his lasso and that kind of like, takes a hold and you know you of course uh uh mark couldn't stay away from you know cowboys and then like they have calamity jane and you know indians in there and then the funny thing i would imagine like a hatfields and mccoy segments that would be weird uh so in the summer of 1976 mark had been taken off development for the american pavilion he would go on to work on developing the fort wilderness funhouse and creating updated concepts for the jungle cruise attractions in florida and california uh and the fort wilderness funhouse that's something we need to talk about someday uh mark never slowed down however and could usually be found hard at work in his august on various assignments constantly generating new concepts for the company so not a sad ending but an interesting an interesting take on all of this. So a bunch of other Imagineers and uh, Randy Bright took over and he transformed it into the single stage audio animatronic theater show that we know today. So I, I got to ask you, mm-hmm. uh, what, what is your take on the, this, this former of early version of the American adventure? So which version, the more humorous version, or the more reverential version? Let's go with the more humorous one first. So that I don't really get it per se. I think it is there's like two parts of like America, right? There's Americana and then there's patriotist patriotism history, you know, that kind of cross. It seems like the original ride was more of the Americana part of uh part of that, the thing that uh like Walt Disney really liked, the progress and uh like carousel progress, like almost lightly humorous, a very you know, upbeat attitude of, of all these experiences coming together. I don't know if I really care that much for that as like a full experience, um, especially one where I feel like it would become dated incredibly fast. Hmm. Like you can't date the founding fathers. It's always, they're always dated, but like intentionally. So, yeah. you know, they might as well be been around 5,000 years ago, the way they talk right. about them. Um, but, you know, Americana in the way of, building houses and football games and burlesque. I don't know if that would be as popular today. It would feel like someone in the seventies and eighties. Yeah, well, well, yeah. I mean, that's a thing. Uh, yeah. I, I know that people have a great respect for old Epcot, but I, I really haven't picked your brain a lot on this particular subject. Yeah. But this, a lot of this, and I, I know it's because a lot of this is also Mark and Ward Kimball. It does remind me a lot of world emotion. And would you think that World of Motion, if it existed today in 2023, would be dated? If World of Motion existed in 2023, would it feel dated? Yeah, yeah I think so. I, I mean, I think because that's based on 
the history of of, of motion. Um, you could update that a little yeah. bit easier. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you could update it a little bit easier. Yeah, and I think that transportation has kind of plateaued in mm-hmm. recent years. Very different than like basic history. Like I think Spaceship Earth is a great example where you have to gloss over a lot of American history at the end, and it already feels dated. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it adds that has TV. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that at least gets up to computers, and um, you know this is more like. I, I kind of feel like the the attraction as it is is the evolution of the American Main Street, mm-hmm. um, which is, makes sense coming from Mark Davis and the early Imagineers. It's like, okay, well, you know, you have these shows and you have these workers and it slowly evolves into building houses and football and, and hot dogs and pie and, and America, right. you know, the very the very cozy America. I think World of Motion gets away with it a little bit more because its history is a bit longer. You can go back to stagecoaches. You can go back to... Stuff like that. And I guess the future is like t- electric cars, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't know if, you know, America, America today is like technology. Do you remember, and, do you remember how yeah. that that ride ended? I don't actually. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure it's the last time you saw a ride through of it. Uh, the whole, whole uh, concept of it is that, you know, the building was a ring and yeah. the most of the, the track was on the second level. So you you ascended to the second level and you would go through the ring around the, the wheel and then at the very end in the, the in the center of the donut was a towering futuristic city. Yes. And you yep. would descend it and in like using a pepper's ghost effect, they would turn your 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 omnimover car into like sort of a sleek futuristic vehicle. Mm-hmm. And then you would go and descend around this like fiber optics, like crystalline sort of future city. And and that's how it would end. Uh, so not not looking towards like electric cars, but more or less looking like, ooh, how cool cars would look and how speedy and efficient transportation might be in the future. I think that would feel less dated insofar that the thoughts about transportation evolving are much more contemporary than... Like where Americana is. I feel like Americana is mm-hmm. kind of dead. <laughs> like we right. don't really care anymore. Yeah. Well, that's um, that. You no, know, you have a great point in that. And I, I do really think that World of Motion, I mean, I'm like trying to think about it. I and mean, there's, there's a few, there, in the beginning, they do do some global stuff. But as the, as the ride goes on, it is, it was very Americana. It was very Americana, especially that last half of that ride. And uh, a lot of the, and I wouldn't be surprised if he, he brought some of the, you know, the, the American Adventure ride to World of Motion as it came along. Mm. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all. But I, I'm just saying that it, uh, it definitely, it definitely feels like a, sort of the same dated old uh, 20th century American concepts. I, I can't, I can't put that out of my mind of. That it it doesn't even I don't even think it represents America in the 1980s. Yeah, I I agree. I think that if you're gonna do history, I mean, generally, if you're gonna do history, you should do years and years and years ago. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it looks this, all these all these drawings as as adorable as they are, it definitely feels like it came out from the mind of somebody who's at that time 60 and then we're 1975. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. It really does feel like a much more um, like a cracker barrel. <laughs> yeah, well, American yeah. History. It, it's yeah. it's definitely that. It's it's like the Midwesterners 
idea of any America, like especially at the time. I just it's so it's so wholesome. That's the weird thing about it. Mm. And I don't I don't expect I mean, I don't want Disney to be hip or anything like that. I don't expect that. But I expect something a little less creaky. I mean, it's just like, so we're talking Mark Davis, right? We're talking, I don't know, he's a fantasy guy, at least in my opinion. Like even his realism is fantasy. Right, right. right. Well, Every, that, that, yeah, no, you're right. And I mean, and we even have, well, I mean, I guess the best comparison to this, and it's a perfect comparison because it comes out almost like same time as the, Mark is doing this and Mark did that. I mean, America Sings. And right. America Sings has three great first acts mm-hmm. which uh which are like these you know very you know old timey uh sort of uh combinations of all these songs of america's past and then the last act is modern times and it's probably was extremely hokey in uh 1974 but it comes out across as charming now but Good lord! I, I mean, I have, have you listened to all that? Yeah, I, I mean, so you, you... <laughs> there's it's modern times. It's supposed to be the '60s and '70s, and then a cat, a cat, and a fox come out, and like they're like a basket, a green and yellow basket. I sent a letter to my mommy on the way. I dropped it. I was like, what? What are we doing here? No, I think it, it really feels like uh, America Sings is successful in the beginning because it's the American bandstand, at least to me, right? Like, again, it's something mm-hmm. that you might see on the street. It's a very loud and exciting and I don't, like a Knott's Berry Farms patriotic. I don't know what you'd quite call it, but I do think, again, Americana is the best way to do it. Yeah. But Americana doesn't last into the 60s and 70s. Correct. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't go into the, the 2000s. Well, well, bar- it barely does. And I think it's, again, it's like this very bicentennial fever kind yes. of thing yeah. uh, where we're kind of combining the pop sensibilities of the 70s with that old fashioned Americana, you know, nostalgic retro jazz. And you, 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 it's supposed to be this like chocolate and peanut butter moment, but it's something that only last for about a few years and really was kind of forced <laughs> really was forced upon us by the government because of uh the failure of vietnam but that's a whole yeah. other story <laughs> but- yeah and I, I i will say though i am much more interested in the secondary uh the secondary attraction proposed oh, here okay yeah you i are, quite like yeah. that yeah i just think the nice is very serious very more exciting, I think, than the current one. Oh, really? Okay, so you like the idea of? Uh, do you necessarily are drawn to it because it's like a possibly a carousel theater, or just the idea that you would have a bunch of these scenes? I, I, American Adventure kind of has these scenes. It does, where, you know. They but the American it, Adventure is like, drawn out. Like it has a mm-hmm. big. To me, the Benjamin Franklin and Mark Twain stuff really kills the pacing pretty okay. bad. I okay. think if you sped the attraction up a bit, I don't know how long the Carousel Theater would be compared to if well, it was a Well, the Carousel Theater but... usually is about like three minutes for each act. Yeah. So you're usually spending a good 16 minutes on it. I, I think that if minutes, you... Yeah. Yeah, I think that if you move through a bit speedy, you could see a bunch of ideas. I do like the idea of like America... America, the amorphous, timeless blob of 
perspectives coming into contact with each other, like like Twain and Franklin, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. talking to each other. Actually, I, I think idea in uh, the idea, the theme is not bad, and I think doing that for a bit more, you know, grazing over the history. Mm-hmm. Uh, I because I, I think it's exciting. I think there's something exciting about looking back and saying these are all the big figures and yeah. stories of America versus like again apple pie. Yeah. Apple pie and what was that? Popcorn and Cracker Jacks. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm not. I'm not. I wouldn't say Hamburgers, I'm a patriot per se, but I think that there's like a real emotional weight to like his deeper history, and I probably think that that would make that would offset the balance of World Showcase if it was only about like day to day America. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess there's Mexico was day to day Mexico. Yeah, um, yeah. El Rio de Tiempo was just. Like it was literally the river of time. It was exactly. I mean, I mean that that was literally what it translated to. It was the river. Of yeah, time. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think and- <laughs> uh, I, I I just don't I don't get the funny one. But it, as a Mark Davis right, I don't know. The problem is that when you're going to ask the question, I know you're going to ask the answer is just going to be yeah. Because like, why not? <laughs> wow, really? I, I, mean, I mean, it's a Mark Davis ride. I don't. I of course, of course, of I'd course. love to see it. You, it's just, you would just love to see anything by him. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Honestly, I find that this Omni Mover ride it just doesn't push any buttons for me. I, I honestly, a lot of the drawings and stuff like that, it just feels so, it feels so first drafty and so kind of dull. And it feels like I've seen all of this done in eventual 1982 I've done almost so much better hmm. and that's the problem I have I do like the second concept of this theater attraction with all these heroes meeting and stuff like that I think it is very interesting I will say that the uh, the eventual American adventure is is almost worth it in the end because of just how it's something that they never did again because it was so technologically grand and massive. I mean, you, you've seen, have you seen like the modern Marvel's specials on how it works? You mean, I mean, like with how complicated the, the, the moving around of the animatronics. There was literally like travel channel specials. Oh, were there really? Yeah. You can look them up on YouTube, uh, about how the American adventure works. I'll, I'll I'll link to you, uh, it to you when, uh, the show recordings over, but yeah, like it'll show you exactly how this was done, how, uh, the, uh, the care, the carriage works, uh, it's kind of like a revolving set underneath. You know, you go up the escalator. You have to go yeah. upstairs to get to the theater because all the um, animatronics and the sets are in the basement, and they rise up um, from the ra- uh, from underneath the rafters and stuff like that. That's I, you know, part of me mm-hmm. though, part of part of what I feel about that is that technology is always in service to a show. So right. I, don't, mm-hmm. I would rather see a more interesting show than something technologically innovative. Yeah. Like, technolo- like technological innovation is important, but if I think the show is boring, I don't care how they get the mm. robots up, uh, the just, animatronics up. Yeah, you know, they... no, that's a great point, and I'm not sure if the, this one would have made for a more entertaining show or not. I definitely Maybe would not. like to see a. <laughs> I definitely would love to see a uh, Hatfields and McCoy uh, segment. That would be very, very weird to see in a Disney park. I do want to remark, though, there is a difference between this version and the version of the American Adventure that we eventually got, and 
this is where we got to go take a step back and we have to think about the conversation that we had with Jalen um, a couple months back about Disney America. Mm. And with Disney America, they wanted to have fun with history, but also acknowledge its harsh realities. Right. And if you remember that all these historians balked at this and then Michael Eisner and his infinite wisdom takes all these historians, including David McCullough, takes them to Epcot and drags them to see the American adventure. They all hate it (laughs) and they don't like it because it doesn't do a good enough job with like addressing sort of the unfortunate aspects of America. And I always found that kind of interesting in that fact as well. I mean, when the American adventure talks about the hardships of America, it really kind of sidesteps around things and you know talks about yeah yeah we'll, we'll have frederick douglas on mm. a canoe and he'll talk about you know wanting the freedom of slaves yes but in the end what really they stick out with is the country was divided and two brothers <laughs> uh one word yeah. blue and one word gray And that the families were uh, blown apart by their uh, affiliation to either the North or the South. And that seems to be the point that they're sticking up more for rather than, hey, you know, the Confederates were kind of uh, pieces of shit. (laughs) But but the families were torn apart. They don't mean no mind. I don't know if I, I uh oh, we're gonna get into we're gonna get into the politics of the Civil War on the Unveiled podcast. I don't know if I like per I, I the Confederates are pieces of shit, but I also don't think like the people who die who fought for the Confederacy knew that they were just stupid I, I know, farmers. I know, but, the but South. It, it is it is interesting that that's the point that they really stick on. Also, yeah, the fact that. <laughs> You know how they choose to represent World War II, right? I mean, I don't know when's the last time you saw this. The American Adventure? Yeah. Isn't it just loud noises or what? What? Or uh... no, I mean, what, what, instead of like focusing on like, I don't know, the unfortunate cruelty of uh, the United States' treatment of Japanese individuals. What or the fuck kind the of theme park ride do you want them or... to build, Ryan? I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> what are you what talking they, what about? They focus, what they focus on is Rosie the fucking Riveter. <laughs> and that's what? how it ends. What kind of, what I need to, okay, serious question. What kind of rides are, should Disney be developing such that they should talk about the horrors of slavery and the internment of Japanese? <laughs> but my point is, my point is, is that the American Adventure uh, focuses on some very odd areas while it tries to sweep other things under the rug. I and think it's trying to be positive about it. I, I don't think know it's whether it's trying to be positive. But yes, it's trying to be very positive. I agree with that. But the thing that I was going to say, my point in the general long run is, is that if Disney wants to make a history themed attraction about America. They don't have they to they can't they can't have their cake and eat it too. But okay, point. then I, I think that ugh, 
Well, first off, I don't, I don't, if you can find a way to interweave the Japanese internment into a children's attraction, okay, then but, you deserve the Nobel Prize. Yeah, no, the I'm Pulitzer not saying is they coming should. your way. I'm not it's, saying that they should. I'm just saying that it's interesting that they don't choose to acknowledge any of that. What are, how acknowledge are you supposed a to do that? They acknowledge a war is happening, but they don't acknowledge why it's happening. They don't acknowledge Wait a anything. We should, we should, yeah, you, uh, perhaps you're right. I think Reflections of China should cover more about enslavement. There should be comfort women in the Japanese pavilion. Yes, yes. What? There, there should be radical, like, terror in certain know, other ones. There should, like, the, 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 the attacks the Mark, of the... Okay, uh, so the original <laughs> show that Mark Davis was proposing was a lot more soft to the touch and yeah. didn't even approach these subjects. But it doesn't, whereas, it's not, the original show he's producing wasn't American, a history thing. Yeah, whereas the American Adventure flirts with them. And that's where you get into a weird area. And that Wait, so is you what, like the Mark Davis one more? I'm saying that it might have been a better choice in the long run. I think mm. that in 1982, they thought they were being ambitious with even putting their toes in the pool a little bit. But... In 2023, it just comes across as a little ignorant. That's my point that I'm making. And that I think that a one that was more based around individuals, which the American adventure is trying to do. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. It's trying to do, but it's also trying to address real issues at the same time with all the hardships that America has had in indeed. So they, they're trying to do a little bit of both. I the only I thing think, I'll say yeah, is that okay. I don't think that it's ignorance to present if you present a propaganda view of history, for example, where you're like the United States did nothing wrong in World War II, we saved the world, and that's it. And also, we didn't do Japanese internment. Like if you're like a Japanese person who doesn't believe in what Japan did to China, I don't know. Let's say they made that ride. That seems like a problem to me. What doesn't? I don't feel as problemed by a ride that discusses women's suffrage in World mm -hmm. War II. It seems like it's like a double whammy. I, I just don't think theme parks are a place. If you want to say that theme parks aren't a place to discuss history at all, I guess so. Um, I think World Showcase is going to have a lot of problems because there's arguably a lot of ignorance that happens in a lot of the rides. We could talk an entire thing about like, you know, colonial histories and all of mm -hmm. the countries that happened yeah. there. And, you know, you could do all those things. I, d I will say that I think both of Mark Davis's ideas, though, do by their more, again, fantastical nature, do skirt the problem a lot better. You're right. You're talking about individuals and talking about history as this amorphous blob of positive influences um, does, I think, give the freedom that a theater show like The American Venture does not. Mm -hmm. Because if you dissect history... If you do, if you, you know, right, I agree with you. If you walk up to somebody and you say, I'm going to dissect history and tell you the best parts of America in a very detailed fashion, not in a generalized sense, and then you don't discuss slavery or the internment or, you know, uh, treatment of women or immigrants, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then it does seem like you're cherry picking. That's fair. Well, that's that. That's that's yeah. overall my point. And yeah. the very fact that it like it it approaches these things. Okay. So did you know that the American adventure is the only theme park ride in existence to have the word Nazi in it? Does it really say Nazi? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is actually in the last scene. 
It's between Rosie the Riveter and a sailor. And uh, it's sailor goes, well, Rosie, think you'll ever get this old tub back in the fight? And Rosie goes, well, sure try, sailor. Hey, what did you fellas do? Let the whole Nazi fleet use you for target practice? Yeah, no wonder they got us working double chefs. Yeah, That's like one of the very last scenes of the attraction. That's okay. I know, but it's, again, it's, uh, you know, they're they're like lightly flirting with these uncomfortable topics. And I feel like... I feel like the uh, what Mark Davis was going for with this, you know, whole idea of oh, it's more of a celebration of American innovators and American adventurers and stuff like that, rather than presenting a history of. Mm. I think that it creates a better, a, a more open gateway without going into some of those political naivete areas, and that's probably what people do not like about the American adventure nowadays is the fact that it seems so soft shoed and it's yeah. trying to pretend that it's not. And it's very odd. I don't know how you, I don't know what audiences expect. Like I, I, if you're seriously frustrated that a theme park ride isn't discussing like I don't think it should. Details of slavery. My, my, <laughs> but that's the thing they do. They do discuss. They have Frederick Douglass briefly discuss it. But what do you, what do you are you want like a textbook? Like why? What is the, well, the I, brief discussion of that? I, seems I like it'd be sufficient. I, I at like, least to me. With, with Disney's America, the the whole idea we came across of is this is probably a bad idea in the first place, and hmm. it just probably shouldn't be Disney's place. And they should probably refocus onto some different way of saying it or telling it. And I'm not okay. saying that I don't like the American adventure. I'm just saying I understand the criticisms of it. I hmm. get it. And I think that the Mark Davis version of the show of all these explorers and innovators all coming together and just focusing on that might be a better way instead of what Randy Bryant wanted to do, which was present a grand history as cool as they present it. Still, sure. it was probably the smarter play. Okay, and, I, I agree yeah. with you on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this makes sense. You, know, you, you, the more detail you offer, right. the more detail you're omitting in a very weird I, way. You know, I, like, I know, I know. I, I'm trying to get around to the point. I'm getting yeah. around to it. Yeah. So I don't mean I don't mean you specifically. The more detail you offer, I mean that when you do a mm-hmm. theater show, the more yeah. detail you put in, the more you realize how much is being left out. You right. graze over something. You know, I think if the Pirates of the Caribbean was a big theater show about the history of pirates, right. it'd be very different than a ride that mm-hmm. may or may not skirt with human trafficking. Right. <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. Hey, speaking of Japan. Oh, right. That's right. <laughs> you also got, you, did, you, did you ride uh, the only Splash Mountain left in the world? I did. Oh. I did. Oh no! You're gonna get canceled. You're gonna get <laughs> no, canceled. No wonder I'm coming here in defense of the slavers for <laughs> Chris Ryan. Uncle Remus still exists in Japan. <laughs> there, I have to actually look up something about Spot. You reminded me about something. There really mm-hmm. did feel like there was a bit of like I, it really sound, some 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 dialogue sounded out of place in Spot oh. in Japan, but. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but honestly, the the the, the ride through version of the American Adventure, yeah, no thanks. I, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm good with that. I wonder how that song would have song that sounded like. That's bad lyrics, but I don't know. Buddy Baker could still whip up a good tune. Hmm. I mean, he made grin grinning ghosts. So I um, I, I I'm not disagreeing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so build build it or not. Um, I say. Don't build the ride, build the theater show that Mark was dreaming up. 
Uh, what do you, what do you have to say? Like um, I know you already said it, yeah. So yeah. Oh my god. I think for for building or not on this one, ultimately, I don't have very strong feelings about the American Adventure. I'd like to see something different, and you you probably have convinced me that doing like a full detailed theater show was going to illuminate more oversight or over um, skipping over than yeah. it, 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 the alternative. So I, I, yeah, I would like both of these. I would like to see both of these built. My oh. interest would probably be the carousel show. Okay. Uh, the second show that just mm-hmm. seems a bit more like a nice blend of both American, like positivity, but also history in a real serious sense i think it fits better in world showcase and it mm-hmm. because it discusses a lot of like it treats these figures almost like they're fantasy creatures yeah. you know right. um I mean, a lot of them are from stories right but they're all actually really most of them are from fables like passed down from people to people and then real historical figures right exactly yeah um i think that ultimately you know famous people are not really people in a in a in a sense, yeah, I mean, just, that, like characters, especially when they when they get so much older, they do really yeah. become characters. Like yeah, Walt Disney, I, think, I mean, Walt Disney right. is basically a character owned by the Walt Disney Corporation now. Exactly. Yeah, yeah and I think that would be a very that'd be an interesting way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be much more interested in that than yeah. the alternative. So that's how it ends. The animatronic of Walt Disney comes out. Thank you for coming to my park. I'm he, the he, ultimate. He's creator. a hologram. <laughs> I'm the I'm the ultimate creator of American entertainment, and yeah, you have just a, viewed. There's like no Walt Disney in Tokyo. There's the one. There's the partner statue. Well, but isn't yeah. it? Doesn't don't they have a famous uh, cosplayer that comes out there sometimes? Now that I've never seen. Oh, that you got to yeah, see. see it. Yeah, that it's a awesome. famous you know cosplayer who cosplays as Disney as Walt Disney. Jesus. Yeah, I've seen. I've definitely seen that. <laughs> uh, but 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 Walt would not smoke in this show. Hey, Walt didn't smoke. <laughs> he never. He smoked. would never. He never. Not late up at night doing construction. He would not even pull out a cigarette. <laughs> he wouldn't take a single goddamn drag. He sure as you... hell wouldn't do it on the ride about African American owned businesses. And he definitely, he definitely never had a cigarette in a <laughs> in a steakhouse. And we would never, if we are, you find a single photo, we are going to digitally edit that shit out. Find me a damn photo where Walt Disney's walking down Main Street with a cigarette. You'll never find it. It doesn't exist. It's fake. It's bad habits, and he never does anything bad in front of people. I don't even know who Ub Iwerks is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways. <laughs> Anyways, that does it for our little patriotic. I'm sorry we couldn't get this one out on the 4th of July, uh, but I did just come out with a new episode, so it's just going to be a little bit afterwards, but uh, hopefully we're still in the patriotic mood to yeah. to enjoy uh, this little Epcot discussion. It's been a while since you know we've actually done a full Epcot episode. Um, this is one of those ones that... Uh, I cut out of the Epcot month because I was like, oh, this would be a fun, you know, 4th of July-ish episode. Every day uh, in America's 4th of July. Yeah, you could just saddle up with a slice of apple pie and enjoy it on on your porch, looking mm. out at the cornfields, you know. Delicious. Yeah. And you stare in the sky and there will be uh, fireworks eventually, you know. And Walt Disney silhouette, no <laughs> cigarette. Like Lion King. <laughs> he just appears in the cloud. And yes. if you see, if you see like a little like a lit fuse, 
there. Like somebody's going to come up and extinguish that out. You didn't see that. You didn't see it, that. You know, that's right. It says sex under him. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And then he says what uh, all good teenagers take the clothes off or whatever they said in Aladdin. You what heard the that. fuck? What, you, okay, what is you that? Know, okay. So it's like, a, it's a, I don't remember that. I always thought that in the scene where Aladdin goes to meet Jasmine on her balcony and the tiger confronts him, people think that Aladdin's saying under his breath, all good teenagers take their clothes off. Like, look it up. It's a thing. My what sister, my sister used really to like says. rewind it all the time and, and watch it. And she's like, see, he says it. He says all good teenagers take their clothes off. Come on, good teenagers. Take off the down, what is wrong? What is wrong? Disney's a good, wholesome company. <laughs> Their movies are so good that you don't even have to see them and they'll keep putting them out. <laughs> they'll just keep remaking them and remaking them. That's uh, right. Every, what was the last remake? The Little Mermaid? Yeah, Little that? Mermaid, yeah. That movie was important. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Scuttlebutt. So important that we're saving it for future generations by burying all the Blu-rays that didn't sell. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, is that the song Scuttlebutt? Yeah, the Scuttlebutt. Come on, didn't you hear the Scuttlebutt? God, <laughs> I wish Disney raps. would like, like try with any of that stuff. Man, so sad. Mm, I know. Well, Not like we'll trying with the movie. See... I meant like marketing it. Well, hey, well, hey, look, we'll... I know you're cutting me off. It's like the the <laughs> the cane is coming out here on the. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the haunted mansion later this month. Oh uh, bullshit! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> count the number of Jared tickets. Jared Leto, Hatbox Ghost. Is that going to Disney Plus or is that hitting theaters? We've had this discussion like at least twice before. It, it's in theaters. <laughs> that is a little joke. They'll sell like <laughs> as many tickets as the Nutcracker in the four realms. I'm very curious to see how it does, but I'm seeing it. I don't care. I'm sorry. You can't stop me. I won't. You go see it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But anyways, uh, in the meantime, <laughs> please follow us on social media on Twitter at Pod. You can reach me at Open Mother's Mail and Ryan Dorman at Open the Dorman. Feel free to email us at unbillpod at gmail.com and rate us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify, or wherever you find this podcast. We currently have a Ko-Fi at Ko-Fi.com slash unbillpod. For $3 a month, you can get bonus episodes. And for $5, you can also get your name or edit on the show. And for just $1, we have currently available the uh, episode where Ryan Dorman talks about his trip to Japan and Tokyo Disney Woo-hoo! Resort. Uh, we'd like to thank our current contributor, Joseph Antone. Please write a review and tell us how we're doing if you don't like us. Thank you for listening to The Great America Show. I'm Lou Dobbs. See ya. Jesus, what a pick.